glad to have you guys out here. When we say welcome, I really, really mean it. Um, so excited to have you guys here this morning. Uh, this week, in one of my moments where I was down, low, discouraged, um, like needing people interaction, but maybe a little bit too grumpy to have that go well. Um, my wife's laughing at me. That's awesome. Yes, she knows. She knows those moments. Um, <laughs> I just decided I was going to find a podcast that would be encouraging to me, um, some sermons, whatever that would be encouraging to me, and I was just going to veg out on that for a few hours, and that actually worked for me. Um, but I was listening to a retired pastor named Ray Ortland. He's got a, a podcast called "You're Not Crazy." Um, any rate, it was super encouraging to me, and in it, this, this guy recently retired, he was sharing how he welcomed his congregation, um, like every Sunday while he was still pastoring, and I just wanted to share it with you. His words echo the words of Jesus in just um, a beautiful way, and uh, Joe, we need more chairs back there, so you can keep on working on that, that's going to be awesome. Um, here's, here's what he said, Ray Ortland echoing the words of Jesus. See if this resonates with you. He said, to all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who feel worthless and wonder if God even cares, to all who are weak and fail and desire strength, to all who sin and need a Savior, this church opens wide her doors with a welcome from Jesus. Jesus the mighty friend of sinners, Jesus, the ally of his enemies, Jesus, the defender of the indefensible, Jesus, the justifier of those who have no excuses left. Amen? I feel a need for that sort of welcome. That is, uh, Scripture tells us to welcome one another just as Christ has welcomed us. Um, He made a a point in that podcast, it doesn't say, say hi to one another as Jesus said hi to you. Uh, because Jesus has done more than that for us. And so, in the same way that we've been welcomed, uh, we welcome one another. Amen? And this is particularly appropriate for Christmas because Christmas is a season of welcome. At a time when we were unworthy to come to God's neighborhood, God came to our neighborhood. He came as a baby, Um, he he went to the cross, he died for our sins, he rose from the dead in order that we might be welcomed into his family. Not just that we could be forgiven, but that we could be welcomed. So that's just a part of what we celebrate this morning. Um, With that said, let's pray. God, I pray for those um, who are new to Mosaic that they would feel your welcome. Um, I pray for those who have been around for a long time that they would that they would likewise feel your welcome. God, I pray for those who are weary. I pray for us who are weak. Um, Lord, may you open our eyes to see you. God, as we prepare to open your word, I pray that you would go before us and that you would ready our hearts to hear your word. God, we don't want to go through this exercise just to fill time. Lord, we want to be transformed by your grace and for your glory. God, we pray that you would do that work that we can't do. Amen. All right, this this morning I want to talk about longing, hope, and satisfaction. Um, Christmas is, is a season of anticipation and longing, amen? 
kids, they, they anticipate presents, uh, and, they, and they long for Christmas morning to come. They cry out, Mom, how long? Dad, how long? It's seven days, kids. You can, you can make it. The, the time is coming. You're going to be tearing into those presents like it's no tomorrow. You, you got this. As adults, I think we also have anticipation for Christmas morning. Like I think a lot of us look forward to it. Um, but I feel like the older I get, the more anticipation is an okay word for it, but, but I feel like my heart turns more and more towards longing. Um, and, and it's a longing to get back to something. It's, it's kind of like the longing that, that all of us as fallen men and women have to get back to the garden. But it's this, it's this longing to get back to my childhood. Because there's few times that are better for Christmas than when you're a child. The one time that I can think of is when you have small children. You know, but you start getting older and you're like, I, I, want, I want Christmas to be like it was when, when I was a little kid, you know, like snuggled up by the fire or snuggled up in front of the tree and looking at the little manger scene and, and just trying to figure the whole thing out and, and all of the lights and all of the music and all of the beauty. Or I, you know, I want it to be like when my, when my kids were small and they were experiencing it for the first time. I, I, I long to get back to those, um, those, those childlike feelings to, to recapture the wonder and the peace and the comfort and the joy and the, the security and the, and the longing. Oh, it's, I, I feel like at this time of year, I hope, I hope that I can get back to that. I hope that um, in the midst of all the busyness and all of the um, confusion and distraction and insecurities, I, man, I, I hope that the Christmas season is a time where the joy outweighs the sorrow. And again, how somehow we can just, just, just get back to those good times and and again, I feel like this longing that, that I have around Christmas that you might have too, um, I feel like it is reminiscent of um, just the longing that we have to get back to the garden. Um, there was a time when Adam and Eve walked with their God in the garden in the cool of the day. And when, they, when you say cool of the day, think that you're in like a, a Mediterranean Climate and cool sounds good. We're not talking about like a gloomy Michigan winter or anything like that where we're like, God, are you cursing me? I don't know what this is. But, but this is Adam and Eve, again, walking with their God in, in the garden, in the cool of the day, feeling close to him, feeling his joy. In a thousand different ways, as we walk through this broken world, we long for something better and we hope for something better. And that is the Christmas story. It's this story of longing and hope that is finally satisfied in the coming of Jesus. So last week we kind of went through the classic Christmas story. It's, uh, it's what Kelly read to us before we got started. And it's this, um, you know, it's the story of the baby in the manger because there's no room in the inn. And the shepherds who are searching for the baby in response to this, this angel choir and all of that. But, but this week I want to look at what comes both before that and after that. I want to look backward and forward, back to the longing that preceded Jesus' coming and forward to the satisfaction that followed it. And man, as, as we do that, I want to just give you permission to be honest about your own struggle for hope, your own longings, your own, uh, your, your, your own hope that, that one day you might be satisfied. Because I think those are just real things that we all feel. So 
We've already covered the, the core of the Christmas story. I just want to read a little bit more about what happened eight days later as Mary and Joseph um, took their baby Jesus to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. And I want to read about the reaction of a very old man named Simeon. Reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 32. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning that he was waiting and he was longing for God to come and comfort his people, to begin to make right all that was broken in the world. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, meaning this long-promised, long-awaited Savior, this one who would fix what was broken in the world. Verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, Praising God, he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. This morning, I want to talk about longing and I want to talk about hope. And I want to talk about satisfaction. I want to talk about a longing within us that is desperate. I want to talk about a hope that we are so prone to misdirect toward anything that looks shiny or good or tempting. And I want to talk about a satisfaction, a life-changing satisfaction that we can only find in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's where we're going. Hope, longing, hope, and satisfaction. The thing about hope is that hope has a backstory. No one hopes for what he already has. Instead, hope and satisfaction, they begin with a deficit. They begin with something that's lacking. They often begin with pain, and that it's that pain that fosters a desperate longing. And unfortunately, I think we all know what some of that pain is. And, and the pain that we experience is different for different ones of us. Um, you know, for, for some of it's, um, this time of year in particular, it's the pain of someone that we've lost. You know, a parent or a sibling, and maybe that was natural causes, or maybe that was cancer, or maybe that was suicide. But um, it's, it's these intimate times, these family times, when, uh, when sometimes that pain gets more intense. So man, if, if that's what you're going through, you've got somebody in your life who's going through that, man, this is a time to just lean in and prayerfully love and encourage. Because there can be a lot of pain around the holidays. Um, um, holidays can be a lonely time when every, every uh, movie on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and any service that you can get to, it ends um, with this cheesy scene of, of this young couple kissing. Okay? And like, you know, some of you who are married, like, oh, where's that spark? I, you know, longing. And, and, some of, and others are like, you know, I, I just, I figured I'd be married by now. And um, man, if you're already in that season of life, that might seem trite, that might seem trivial. 
Um, but for many of us who, who long for marriage, Christmas is an extraordinarily hard time. Um, it's painful. Likewise, there's, there's just pain from, from the sin that's in, in this world. You know, you, you think, um, rolling back the clock to the spring, I think a lot of people in our country were like really tuned into what was going on in Ukraine. And like that seemed like it was just it was just top of mind. It was front. There were there were protests, you know, on campus. There were signs every place, that sort of thing. Um, we get to this. We get months and months in, and the news cycle changes, and we can forget. But you know, for those individuals that are, you know, they're fearful for their lives, and they're and they're trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to make it through this winter because it's colder there than it is here, and you know the the power's been knocked out again, and 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 just all of these things. The pain of living in a broken world, and um, cumulatively, um, this 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 pain it, it overwhelms. And so, one of the themes that we see in the Psalms and that we see in the prophets is God's people looking at life in a broken world, and and we see this this longing just well up within them until they cry out, "How long, O Lord?" Sorry about that. How long, O Lord? But but you're awake now. That's so good. You know, and, and on a morning like today, I can like kind of trivialize that in my, in my head and like compare it to the kids that are like, how long, oh mom? How long, oh dad? How long till I get to open presents? But the longing that we see in the Old Testament, it's something, it's something deeper. It's something more severe. It's something, ah, oh, Lewis would say it's existential, you know, but that's my guy, Lewis. Yeah, I, I love you, buddy. How long? Will we struggle with injustice and violence? How long will wicked men flourish? How long will the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? For thousands of years, God's people have cried out, how long? But the most receptive among God's people, they recognize that the problem was not just out there, but the problem was also in here. And they didn't just look at all, all the pain and frustration in a broken, fallen, sinful world. They looked at the pain and, and frustration in a broken, fallen, sinful self. You know, they, they looked at their own anxieties and insecurities and, and angers and, and frustrations and, and the, the, the things that they believe, oh man, if I could just have this, life would be good. And then they finally get it and then they're like, okay, life still isn't good. But if I could have that, life would be good. And they get it and, and life still isn't good. And they see this cycle and they, they, they begin to look at their own hearts and their own lack of satisfaction. And they cry out, how long, oh Lord, how long will I be broken from the inside out? And is there anything that you can do about it? That's the kind of longing that we see in this man, Simeon. A devout man, a righteous man, a man who had figured out, I cannot fix what is broken inside of me, and I'm going to need somebody else to come into my life, and they're going to need to change me from the inside out, because I cannot do it. That's the longing that, that we see in Simeon, but, but his longing, it's moving towards hope. We see a painful longing that's, that's mingled with hope. A hope in this coming Messiah. He didn't know the name of the Messiah was Jesus. He just knew the promises. He didn't know how God was going to fix this. He, he almost certainly had not put together the pieces of the puzzle. You know, born in a manger, born of a virgin, going to the cross to die for our sins. And yet, he knew the prophecies. And he knew the longing of his own heart. And he believed 
that in this Savior that, that he was longing for and that he was waiting for, God was going to fix what was broken in the world and God was going to fix what was broken within him. And that's why he was so eager for his Savior. He had a longing that was mingled with hope, but, but in this passage we all see, also see celebration and satisfaction. We see Simeon literally saying, Lord, you can kill me now because my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen my hope. My eyes have seen Jesus. Look again with me at Luke chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. It's literally what he says. It says, Simeon took Jesus in his arms. It's just this moment where he's swept up in his own joy and he, 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 he picks up the baby and he holds him up, kind of like the Lion King, you know, with Simba, but better. <laughs> better. Simeon, he took Jesus in his arms and, and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. What does he mean when he says, you now dismiss your servant in peace? He means, I am old, and I have been waiting, and I have been longing, and you can kill me now. Strike me down. I don't care. I've seen your salvation. Man, that is beautiful. You wonder what God wants from you? There is a temptation that we think that God wants us to perform. That he wants us to do better and try harder and keep our nose clean and get it right and and be a better person and da-da-da-da-da. And all of that is fine and good. But if you want to know what your God wants from you, he wants you to look at him the way that Simeon looked at that baby. He wants you to look at Jesus the way that Simeon looked at Jesus. Listen to it again. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. Kill me now, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon looked at Jesus and said, This is enough. You are enough. You are what I long for. You are what I need. I I don't know how God is going to meet all my needs in you, but I am sure that he is going to do it. Kill me now. His soul was finally satisfied. What we see in Simeon is what God desires for us. What you see in Simeon is what God desires for you. The Christmas story is not a story of us coming to God. It's a story of God coming to us. It's not a story of us cleaning ourselves up so that we can come into his presence, but rather God leaving the glories of heaven to slum it with us. It's the story of Jesus coming to our neighborhood so that we could one day live in his neighborhood. Again, it is a story of welcome. It's the story of Jesus coming to our neighborhood so that one day we could come to his neighborhood. From beginning to end, Jesus takes the initiative. He does the work. He did it in the first Christmas. He still does it today. The beauty of the Christmas story is realizing that we don't have to perform. That it doesn't begin with Jesus and end with us or begin with us and end with Jesus. No, it is Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, who is at work from beginning to end. And he is completing the process. 
Again, we, we talked at the beginning about welcoming each, each other as Christ has welcomed us. Christ doesn't welcome you in a way that, that, that kind of looks down on you and notices that your clothes are shabby or that you, you haven't quite got it together and says, you know what, you, you go in the back door. I'm sorry we use the back door as the front door. It's just how it is right now. But, but it's, it's not a you, you go in the back door so that we won't be embarrassed by you and you sit in the back and no offense to you or sit in the back. It's full today. Um, but it's, it's welcome. It's come to the front. It's come into the family. It's you don't have to do anything. I'm just glad to have you here, and I will do what is necessary to make you a part of this family. You feel like you don't fit in the family? You feel like, man, if people knew how sinful and wicked and and messed up and insecure and broken I am, then they wouldn't welcome me into this family? Maybe. But God will welcome you into this family. And God will transform your brothers and sisters in such a way that they will learn to welcome you as well. And that's beautiful, and that is good, and that is gentle. And that is the story of Christmas. God doesn't desire your good works. He desires your worship. Not your duty, but your delight. God wants from you exactly what we see in Simeon. A faith that looks at, at all of our weakness, and all of our sin, and all of our brokenness, and, and, and says, I desperately need a Savior, and I believe that this child born in a manger is able to save. I believe that if I have him, I have everything. If I can just catch a glimpse of him, my life will be complete. You can kill me now because in seeing him, I have lived. And again, Simeon says that not even knowing the rest of the story. The beauty of the Christmas story for us is that we know where it goes from the Christmas story. And some of us maybe know it better than others, but we know that it goes from a manger to a cross. We know that Jesus lived the life we were supposed to live, and he died the death we deserved to die. And he rose from the dead so that we could not just be forgiven, but we could be welcomed. Simeon did not know that. All he knows is that in Jesus, in this eight-year-old baby that he's holding in his arms and he's rocking and he's cuddling and he's looking at and he's kissing and he's, he's, he's just out of his mind excited, he knows that in this baby, God is going to keep all of his promises to rescue and to restore. Like, like the promise, like he probably knew the Old Testament and we did better than we do. And so he knew promises like the promise to Ezekiel. That it was God who was going to intervene in our lives and and he was going to put in us a new heart and new desires. Amen? He knew that in this baby that God was going to keep the promises in the Psalms to to remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. Or or the promise to David to put a a righteous ruler on his throne who who would have sovereignty over all that's broken in the world and who would fix it. Or the promises in Isaiah that, that God would come and to live with us. Or, or that he would preach good news to the poor and heal the brokenhearted and free the captives and give sight to the blind. Simeon had no idea how any of that was going to get done, but he believed that, that in Jesus, God was going to get it done. And that was enough for him. His soul was satisfied in the soon-to-be-finished work of Jesus. And, and, and God's desire for us is that our souls would be satisfied in the now-finished work of Jesus. He wants us to trust in Him. Not just to believe that He exists, but to believe that He is powerful and that He is good. That He is worthy and that He satisfies. 
that everything else that we could chase after, everything else that we could long for, is going to pale in comparison to him. He wants us to be the people who, who don't need to get the certain present or don't need to get the certain relationship or don't, don't need to have the, the Christmas day go exactly according to plan because we have Jesus. And that's really all that we need. What a delightful thing to realize that there is nothing else in this world that I need. Because my God has offered me himself as the ultimate source of all satisfaction. That's my hope for you, and it's the same hope that I have for myself. That today and every day and every morning and every night and throughout the day, that we would just be continually catching glimpses of Jesus. And that as we catch glimpses of Jesus, something in our heart would soar. And we would have hope and we would be satisfied. That we we would say with Simeon, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Let's pray. God, again, I pray for those who are weary. I pray for those who are weak. I pray for those who long to be comforted. God, I pray that you would do a supernatural work in their hearts, and I say in our hearts because we all have longing. But God, I pray that you wouldn't just work supernaturally and apart from men and women. Lord, I pray that you would work through women and men. God, I pray that we would not only be satisfied in you, but I pray that we would be the means through which others are satisfied in you. God, for those who need comfort, I pray that we would be the people who bring comfort. For those who need hope, I pray that our smile and our handshake and our embrace and the the kindness in our eyes would be the thing that gives them hope. God, I pray for those this morning who feel most excluded, most on the fringe, least comfortable in this room, and least at home. God, I pray that you would give all of us eyes to see that, not in an embarrassing way, but in a compassionate way. Lord, I pray that you just give, give us wisdom and tact and love and kindness to welcome them as you have welcomed us. Lord, may this be a season where we trust more deeply in you and where we find more joy in you. Amen.